There are, can't believe I'm saying this, 721 days until the 2024 presidential election. Uh, I have a couple of birthdays among our nerd Avengers, but I'll wait until more of us are here. Oh, happy birthday. That's, I was just going to say, Danielle, that uh, we have a couple of birthdays. Yours was yesterday, so happy birthday to you. Oh, mine was actually on the 10th. I just took the weekend off. <laughs> I celebrate my birthday for like five days to a month. Oh, That's boy. a good All idea. Right. Well, thank you. <laughs> so then it's still your birthday, right? Technically, yes. Yes. And also today, and potentially for the next four weeks, is George Hans' birthday. So happy birthday. Oh, right. George. Yes. Scorpios. That's right. Um, I was going to wait for Waj to be here, but uh, before we get started and after the birthday wishes, I want to say that anybody who said before the election that the Democrats were going to lose the House very badly and probably lose the Senate owes me a spa day. And me too. Oh, shit. Right? I mean, really? Like, who needed the extra level of stress? So how um, many spa days are you owed now, Mary? I think I I think I have enough spa days to last me until I die, which will be like when I'm 342. So I love that. I, I have quite a few. Um, <laughs> so today I, I want to look at two different things, uh, sort of what led up to this election and what what we're going to be dealing with uh, going forward. Uh, so I want everybody to imagine what this election would have looked like if everybody who has the right to vote was allowed to vote. Okay. That's, that's one. Uh, if the media had informed people about the reasons for high gas prices and inflation, for example, uh, instead of focusing on the horse race and the polls, many of which we now know were just either bad or um, fake, uh, you know, right wing mm -hmm. garbage polls. Mm -hmm. If Americans had a deeper understanding of what democracy is and what the effects of living in a fascist autocracy would have on our day-to-day -day lives. Hi, Jen. Um, if the insurrections and seditionists still serving in government had been held accountable, if the Democratic Party had invested sufficiently in states like Wisconsin, Ohio, Florida, Louisiana, North Carolina, and Kentucky, if Donald Trump was in, pr in prison, Instead of being allowed to fly around the country, continuing to spread his dangerous disinformation and lies, if the innumerable and highly consequential accomplishments of the Biden-Harris administration with the thinnest of razor-thin margins had been properly covered, if Biden's speeches about the threats of fascism to our democracy had been aired on broadcast television instead of sitcom reruns and uh, reality TV, right? Um, I mean, just imagine. So I think we need to keep all of that in mind as we begin our fight. By the way, our new tagline is no complacency, no compromise. Okay. That th this is, this is pedal to the metal starting now. Uh, you know, no, I, I mean, yes, be, be happy. We, we won. Um, but that doesn't mean we let our guard down. That doesn't mean that we stop. Because they never do. Um, 
so um, we need to start looking ahead. You know, we've been talking about this already in terms of crafting the message, deploying the message, engaging the fight, and also recognizing what we're up against. We just had the Democratic Party led by President Biden and Speaker Pelosi and Chuck Schumer credit where credit is due, right? The guy gets a bad rap, rightly so, a lot of times. But look what he just pulled off, okay? Um, and yet, according to the Washington Post and the New York Times, again, after one of the most amazing, significant victories of an incumbent president in a midterm, Apparently, the real question is, is Joe Biden too old to run for re-election? And is Donald Trump one or two in the race for the Republican nomination? I mean, what what the... Hey, Dahlia. Oh, Dahlia's in transit. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, so <laughs> I was going to start with Kurt. Dahlia, are you driving or are you on a train? She's You're on, on train. a train, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely looks like a train. I love trains. Hey, Cliff. Um, So, you know, we're going to sift through all of that. uh, Also, the role of Donald going forward. I want to make this very clear. Donald Trump needs to be hung around the Republicans' neck like an albatross. They're responsible for him. They should not be allowed to separate themselves from him. And yeah, is he a loser? Yes, he's been a loser his entire life. However, explain to me the ways in which that has had any negative impact on his life. He still has tons of power. He's still dragging in tens of millions of dollars. He's still at the top of the party. He's still free. He's still free to announce his candidacy. I mean, this. so let's just stop the narrative. He's a loser. The Republicans are done with him. Okay. Uh, anyway, I'm going to stop ranting now. Uh, so... Brian, let's start with you. Uh, given the successes that the Democrats just had um, and and how poorly, I mean, it was a blue tsunami. Uh, and given how poorly, although not poorly enough, because let's for, not forget, the Republicans lost. They were not repudiated. You know, tens and tens of millions of people still voted for them. However, they performed terribly in this election in terms of numbers of seats gained, lost. Uh, so, so Brian, why why are the Dems in such disarray? I, I point to two things. I I don't think the Democrats are in disarray. I think they're you didn't notice the sarcasm in the question. Yes, okay. I I did <laughs> notice the sarcasm. I was trying. I to, tried. I I tried to shovel it back, but I, I failed. Uh, <laughs> um, you shovel I, lots of stuff, Brian. Hey, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a kidding. Reporter. I love you, Brian. Oh, yeah, I love you too. It's okay. Uh, look, we can think, we can do it now. The election's over. Let it all out. I think, exactly. Um, <laughs> I think there are two things. Um, I, I think the Democrats need to sharpen their message. I think that number number one and foremost, I still look at the numbers. I, I said beforehand it was a numbers game. I never believed that there was a red tsunami coming or a red wave. It was all basically numbers. The issues were decided. It was getting the numbers out. I checked in precincts across. The country, there are some that still only had 40, 45% voter turnout. So going forward, it's basically getting people, you saw how the vote turned out when it did turn out. Women, young voters, new voters, all turned out for uh, Democrats, or overwhelmingly so. So it's a matter of getting the numbers out uh, in the next election. And that's the, that should be the Democrats' biggest thing, is they outnumber the Republicans, go get them by the numbers. That worked this time. Do it again. Get the numbers higher. And secondly, 
I think there has to be a total reevaluation. I, I, I cannot stress this enough about how the press covers <clears throat> um, politics. We suck and we are yes. inexperienced. Not you. We not are. We are inexperienced. We have no idea what it is that we're covering, how to cover it or when to cover it or what to do when we're covering it. We can't cover issues. We can't cover polls. We can't cover uh, Democrats or Republicans. We have been uh, enslaved by the idea that it's whataboutism and trying to be so equal that we don't realize that there is criticism that every politician deserves, but not every politician deserves the same criticism. I will criticize the Democrats for their messaging. I will criticize Donald Trump for being a seditious ass clown who needs to be put in jail and never be seen again. And sorry, those aren't equal criticisms. And you have to accept that because those are facts. If we stop telling people what we think is going on, and instead it's, it's like I told reporters who've come to me, who've worked for me. They'll come to me and say, hey, this is what I think. And I tell them, I don't give a shit what you think. I barely care what I think. What is it? <laughs> Go vet the facts, please. That's a reporter. So I would like to see more of that. Those are my two. That's how I would start out, Mary. Go go get the voters out, turn them out, and press reevaluate what the fuck it is that we're doing because we suck so bad at it. Yeah, uh, and um, unfortunately, we lost Dahlia to the chaos <laughs> to the of Amtrak internet connection. Uh, <laughs> you think they'd figure that out, considering I don't know, lots of people who commute. Something else we should invest more money internet. in. By the way, yeah, you think <laughs> so. I, Kurt, it's so good to see you. We we haven't seen you in a while. Um, so I wanna I wanna ask you two things. I just I sort of set this up by talking about the significance of the, the Democratic victory, um, all the things they had going against them going into this election, and they still pulled off what I believe is a, a blue tsunami. Uh, they they t turned every single narrative on its head, basically. And, uh, you know, the, the, the press is out there <laughs> talking about um, the fact that Biden shouldn't run again because he's too old, and is, is Donald one or two? in the race for the Republican nomination, despite the fact that he should be in prison. Uh, so it seems like the Democrats did a lot right. And, and this is partially about, you know, I think not just acknowledging the things that we have running against, but going against us, but also accepting them and, and um, crafting our strategy accordingly. Like we, we're not going to fix the media. I'm sorry. We're just not going to in the next two years. Um, and, and, you know, how do we keep the Democrats hanging together? And I started by asking uh, Brian, you know, like, why are the Dems in, in such disarray? Because that, you know, that's still going to be the narrative going forward. <laughs> but I'm also curious, Kurt, like, why are you so sexist? Well, <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad you finally asked the question. I think we should be open. Minds. I think we need to have everything on the table. <laughs> everything on the table. I oh, mean, like and, yeah, yeah, I mean, clearly, uh, right-wing media was triggered uh, to, to, to the likes of which uh, I've never seen. I mean, it was, it was really quite, it was quite something to live through, Mary. It's Let me tell you. Newsday, but yeah. Okay. I actually missed this. So, it, well, because it was just, it, you know, in some ways it was just like this perfect distillation of where we are. <laughs> so long story short, Jen, I was on uh, the read report, the readout. Uh, with joy and she just kind of offhanded asked uh you know if lauren bobart were to lose which which i don't think she will but if she were to lose 
what would you do career-wise? And I quipped, uh, just, well, I guess it could be a game for OnlyFans. And the entire right-wing media ecosystem melted down. Uh, it, you know, I mean, it was, it, was, it, it was really something to hear the people who, uh, you know, have made it their central tenant to take women's rights away to call me a sexist and a misogynist. Um, which is why, I, you know, while to those, to our friends on the left, who, who some were, 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 you know, interpreted my quip as an assault on um, people who are on OnlyFans, which I, I, I really don't know much about OnlyFans. Because I didn't even you, know but, what it was. Until you yeah. Said um, yeah. I, uh, you know, I, I was like, I'm sorry if, if, if what I said offended you, but to the people on the right, I could give a shit what you think because you're full of it. <laughs> Um, you know, so, uh, I, you know, I, I am now the Let's resident really think Kurt don't hold back, baby. Right. You know, I mean, it's, uh, what are you going to do? Uh, you know, n- never mind the fact that Fox news was run by a serial sexual harasser for decades, but you know, Hey, you know, it's all, yeah. Let's look past that, but uh, you know, <laughs> and the Republican just, Party is run by one too. So there wait, you was go. that the right. Bill O'Reilly, well, that Eric Bowling? I get them all mixed up. The serial sexual harassers over there, right? Well, well, and then you go with you know, and these don't are forget all the people... Cam. Don't be so sexist, Cliff. Yeah, <laughs> Cliff. Uh, you know, it, you know <laughs> let's not forget the fact too that this is the same people that have lined up behind Mister Grabham by the pussy. But it's just you know, uh, locker room talk. So you know, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, but the first thing I want to say is uh, happy belated birthday to, to Danielle. Uh, Thank you. Like, always great to have a day to celebrate awesome people. Um, number two, I'd hate to say this, but, but Brian, the, uh, the media is not going to ever figure it out. There, there, there's no fixing this. The, no. The, like they're just, they will, right. just as they got it wrong in 2018, you know, just as they got it wrong in 2020, just as they got it wrong in 2020, they will always do the same thing. And I guarantee you in two years, uh, we're going to be sitting here watching segment after segment and, and pontifications about the polls and how all the polls are saying this. And, you know, it, it's just it's a cycle that always because the same people who are running these media institutions and the editorial side of these things and writing the D.C. tip sheets, they stay they They never change. It's just a circular nonstop thing. Like, oh, it's not going to change unless we get different people in there, and that's they not going to happen. Talk to each other is what they do. So one one reporter will talk to another one, and then we'll quote that reporter and say, sources close to the White House. And I'm going, <laughs> well, I guess they were close to the White House. We were standing in the, in the West Wing. But more to what Mary had, had opened with with me here. Um, you know, it's interesting. No, no, no. The, the, Your the hatred mid-term. for Lauren Boebert? Oh, well, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a hateful person, Cliff. Everybody knows that if you follow my Twitter. Um, the, the thing that's driving me kind of crazy here is how the press is, 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 of course, part and parcel to this. Making the extremism that, that the voters clearly rejected, just tying it only to Donald Trump. Because, like, for me, I'm like, wait a second. Donald Trump wasn't actually on the ballot in this election. What was on the ballot was the Republican policies to take away your rights, the Republican policies to politicize education, the Republican mm-hmm. policies to take away Social Security and Medicare, your Republican policies to destabilize. Do we lose him? Oh, no. Is he uh, on an Amtrak? Did he just freeze to me, or is that everybody? No, I, no, no it was everybody. Okay, Kurt, so okay? Ho- hopefully uh, we'll get Kurt well, now back. Now I'm gone. Oh, here he is. Here he is. oh, we got him back. 
Wait, I they're think hacking it was us. O- OnlyFans. I think it's Lauren I think, Bobert. I, I think they're hacking us. Yeah, sorry. Let well, Kurt had to take five minutes for his OnlyFans uh, subscribers. So, okay. yes. Anyway, Listen, Kurt, Clint, go ahead. We need somewhere to go other than Twitter, clearly. So why not OnlyFans? <laughs> Come on. Blow I'm, up OnlyFans, right? Yeah. Let, let's turn OnlyFans into Twitter. I don't know. No, that's a terrible idea. Let's not do that. <laughs> it's, a it's, a, idea. It's, a, it's a horrible idea. But my point being, I'll try the anything, policies, Kurt. The, <laughs> Jen, up for anything, no. Todd, ladies and gentlemen. Um, <laughs> the, the policies that were just listening. rejected. No, 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 no. No? Oh, okay. I take that back. Uh, I respect the sanctity of your marriage. Let me just say that first and foremost. Um, the extremism that was rejected by the, Repu- by, by the voters is embodied by every single member of this Republican Party. I don't give a crap if Donald Trump is the figurehead or Ron yep. DeSantis or Josh Hawley or Ted Cruz or Greg Abbott or whoever. They're all part of the same thing. This is so much bigger than Donald Trump at this point. And even if Trump ends up going by the wayside, which I don't necessarily believe is going to happen. He's not going to go quietly. That's for damn sure. Yep. The, the, the problem with the Republican Party is that they continually wrap their arms around policies that are widely unpopular with the rest of the country. That's the big problem. If they want to solve that problem, get on board with gun reform. Get on board with equality. Get on board with addressing income inequality. Get on board with treating people of all skin tones the same. Get on board with these things that most of the public, they're already at that point. That's the big problem with the Republican Party, and I don't see any of them talking about fixing that part of it. Well, didn't Josh no, they're Hawley not... say? He had yeah, their... well, you know, <laughs> Josh Hawley can run away <laughs> from uh, whatever he thinks is going to make him. Um, theme. Uh, okay. Anyway, so, Jen, <clears throat> I, I'm interested in your takeaways. I think you actually might be one of the people who owes me a spa day. Uh-huh. Um, so be honest, anybody who owes me a spa day, anybody who is negative going into this election owes me a spa day. Uh, I'm going to set up a tip drawer. Okay. Um, so I, I think I, I have it like six, six months coming. How about of, Canyon of, Ranch in Arizona? Yes, I've never been there, but months. I always thought one day. <laughs> it's quite, it's quite extraordinary. And now that Katie Hobbs is governor of Arizona, I can go there because um, I would not have gone there. Do you if... know I was born in Tucson, so I feel like Tucson like... is is one Very of my nice favorite town. places. Um, Me too. Anyway, that aside, uh, although we'll talk offline about Candy Ranch Arizona. That aside, uh, your takeaways uh, from the election, but also you know looking ahead, it seems that there's so much fertile ground uh, because we have some time now. And, you know, we've talked here about the message being crafting the message around the idea of freedom. Absolutely. But we also, I think, need to flesh out the forces that are against that. You know, the dangers, for example, of white evangelical Christianity and radical Catholicism on the right. Uh, The uh, utter, uh, the abject cynicism of the Second Amendment fanatics. Uh, climate change deniers. Mm. Uh, one good thing, though, that seems to have come out of this election is that election deniers lost, lost badly. Not well, not badly enough. Again, but that's that's okay. In they all still the key lost swing states. In lost. all of the key swing states. Uh, so, Jen, what do you what do you think? Well, I'm going to tie a bunch of things together here, which is to say, a source of mine close to the White House, not the kind. <laughs> Uh, that Brian references. Not the kind that was just standing next to the White House? Yeah, so let me just tie this together. So after last week, I was actually um, a guest on Danielle's show, Democracy-ish, and we took the freedom theme further. And I like how 
Danielle described it as freedom to live, freedom to love, freedom to learn. And uh, I shared that and some other things with a source close to the White House. They really loved it. And they pointed me to uh, something I had not seen, which I meant to watch. I guess Josh Shapiro's acceptance speech hit on some of these freedom themes. So, um, you know, Democrats in array. Um, (laughs) What the hell does that mean? I don't know. What I, what I, you know, sometimes I know it's really easy for us to point to those we think are stumbling, but we need to take yes for an answer, I think. And what I would Mm -hmm. say is, sorry about that. I froze. Did that? No, go. Okay. Keep going. Um, We need to take yes for an answer, which is yes. I think people are listening to our voices. Yes. I think that young people are voting. Um, Yes. I think that we were right that people don't pick up their phone um, when a poller calls. So we need to push forward using the tools and the data that we gather, even if we, even if it's only anecdotal, we need to trust our instincts, trust our networks and keep pushing forward with messages and candidates that will win. And I love your themes, Mary, of um, no, gosh, I've already forgot it. No compromise. Damn it. What They're was the so first good. One? We forgot it, Mary. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so memorable. Mary, Mary. Okay. What's the <laughs> No complacency. Thank you. Shush, no complacency. Guys. No compromise. Because no, I have to get my sleep. No complacency. Tough room. Tough room. It's, I'm Damn. so depressed now. No complacency. No, no complacency. Compromise. No compromise. And the good news is uh, we're not going to get the house. <laughs> and I'll tell you why that's good news. It sucks to try to govern with a really thin margin. Let them suck at it. Yep. Um, and let them totally uh, be ass clowns. And then we have something to point to. Look, I'd rather have us win the house. I'd rather be able to govern. But the facts, it's written on the wall at this point. Let's move forward yeah. with the judicial candidates. Let's win Georgia because Warnock deserves to be there and the people of Georgia deserve him to be a candidate. And let's have another seat. And let's just move forward. Um, with the values that we share, you know, no complacency, no compromise. I never would have forgotten that. That was kind of a joke to draw attention okay. to. Well, <laughs> to, well to executed. To well executed. Thank, Thank you. you, Kurt. Thank you. Um, anyhow, uh, but that's what I have to say. Yeah. Let's focus on the positive and let's say we're going to build well, on the Marjorie values. Oh, Green on hey, the oversight committee. Yeah, right. I got one more Seriously. really, really important thing that I saw. Um, Daniel, I think it's Nitchman. He goes by at Daniel put up, which is um, another state. And I forget which, which another red state decided to accept um, matching funds for Medicare or something like that. What was the Medicare? There's, huh? there's, there's, for Medicaid, you mean? Medicaid, yeah. Yeah, I didn't see which one. Which I saw that. I, I didn't see which state it was, but but you know, socialists everywhere. You know, yes. Yeah. Well, so I mean, you it, know, I don't take away. You know, you socialists don't take away my social security or my Medicare. Look, uh, people people vote their values when they're actually given a question about supporting the quality of life. You know, the freedom to live, the freedom to love, and the it was South to Dakota. Live. Right. So, okay. Oh, Christy Nome, that yes. uh, socialism hater. That, that's fascinating. Um, interesting. So maybe some people are seeing the writing on the wall. But to two two of your points, I you know, first of all, anybody who says that we don't need Georgia is a mor- moron and a racist. 
uh yeah let's just like leave all de georgia democrats and and mostly the uh, black people who uh got us two senators two years ago and are going to do it again yeah let's just leave them in the dust first of all and secondly just procedurally it is so crucial for many reasons to have 51 as opposed to 50 um also it we need all the help we can get in 2024 because the senate senate map look is is very difficult yeah. for democrats in two years yeah. um <clears throat> and the other thing yes to your point about letting not letting but the republicans having the house with a very what are they, maybe maybe they'll have three or four mm -hmm. uh, a three or four seat cushion let them try you know the democrats would then of course only need a tiny handful of republicans to come over on occasion and um let let's the let's let the country see what having people like marjorie taylor green who by the way is now thanks to kevin mccarthy a power broker isn't that crazy? You know, house. I can't imagine what he promised her for her to be oh, God. She's she's that. she's to the house what Chris Kirsten Cinema has been in the Senate now. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it, that's far it's worse. It's just gonna be a disaster. And, and, in this universe. and let's let's let people see the, the extremism play out uh when it's in charge in the house in a way it hasn't been. Uh, you know, th like this will make 2017 to 2019 look like uh, a picnic, probably. Um and, you know, I don't know that we did that enough. I, I'm thinking of the absolutely fascistic Blake Masters ad campaign for uh, Senate in whatever state he was running. I'm sorry. I'm still Arizona. tired. Uh, thank yeah, you, Arizona, right. um, where Cliff, he basically just it was it was a, it was a, a uh, an ad for uh, the preferred german firearm for serial killers apparently and it was yeah. literally just him shooting the stupid gun with a silencer in the desert as if that was as if that <laughs> was a reason to send him to the united states senate um but that aside too uh let's focus <clears throat> on the fact that the reason we're here in the house is because the system is so rigged i'm looking at you know the debacle in new york um, looking at the fact that in Ohio, uh, you know what, Democrats got over 50 percent of the vote. They have 30 percent of the representation. So yep. and it's you know, and it's not just Ohio, it's other states as well. So, Cliff, what do you think um, is a good way to I, I mean, it might be strange to put it this way, but to capitalize on those wrongs uh, that need to be righted? Um, I think it's to go full steam ahead. I mean, I'll never forget when after the sort of, uh, you know, the Brooks Brothers riot in Florida and Bush came into office having been the first president to lose by, you know, he lost by, I think, half a million votes. Now that's a normal Republican thing to yeah, lose the right. popular vote. It's just, you know. But back then, it hadn't happened in like 112 years or something of that variety. And Cheney, Dick Cheney's reaction, which is funny now that because of all the good that his daughter is doing for us right now, but Dick Cheney's reaction was govern like you have a mandate. And that is what I would, none of this cautiousness, none of this, oh, well, jump out there, be strong, message about how we were right on every issue. If you look at these various states, what was it like? Nebraska voted for the $15 minimum wage. And, you know, I mean, we're, we're mm -hmm. as I think Kurt said this earlier, we're right on all the issues. They're wrong on all of the issues. 
there's structural impediments that allow them to get away with all sorts of things they wouldn't otherwise get away with. Um, I would say to continue on sort of a thought earlier quickly, when it comes to how the media is, they're going to cover us how they're going to cover us. But and, and no, don't sit there calling them enemies of the people and this and that. But the thing I've advocated for is we need to be more aggressive in shaming them and criticizing them because so that, that does work sometimes. You'll see them change headlines. The New York Times with that stupid headline right after the election. Where it was like <laughs> Republicans pick up necessary wins. And I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And, you know, and it wasn't I mean, that's just what I said. A million people jumped in. And you know what they did? They changed it. They, they do react to these pressures. The right has worked the refs for years, and we've been scared to. Stop just saying, oh, the media is terrible. Point out who it is. Say who it is. Individually, who stinks? What publication? I get so mad at the New York Times because I live here in Cincinnati, and the New York Times often, because of the resources they have, they decide something is a story, and every mid-city newspaper decides, well, the New York Times said it. It must be right. Yeah. and reports that crap, and we get screwed by that. And that's why my, I have so much vitriol for them, because it leads to, to a lot of this. So we, we need to be more aggressive in calling them out, individual publications, as well as, as individuals when they deserve it. Um, and, and again, like the, the last thing I was going to say, I, I find it interesting. I, I, I do think part of me agrees. It'd be great to have the Republicans run the House by one or two seats. I thought something an interesting you know, idea was, and Kurt worked in the House, so maybe he'll have a, some ideas on this, was there's like, there's, you know, when you, when you do a Venn diagram of Republicans who voted for sane things, you come out with like five or 10 of them, right? <clears throat> there's one in Florida, Salazar, who beat Ross, who's in Ross Letnan's old seat, and she beat um, Donna Shalala, and she was one of the eight that voted for birth control. She was one of the ones who voted for universal background checks. Why not maybe go to a moderate Don Bacon, Florida, this conservative Republican that if that he would never vote for anybody from the far right, the Biggs Gates group. And then if they couldn't get the votes for McCarthy, he'd start talking to, to Democrats about power sharing. Why not maybe go and get together? And, and, and maybe I'm wrong about this. and I'm happy to take criticism but pick like literally the most moderate or liberal Republican possibly. It also would break ground with a Latina, you know, speaker and somebody who actually, I looked up her votes. Like she was, she said she wouldn't vote against Obamacare. Like she was moderate to, you know, on, on everything that I saw and maybe see if we could get the 20 Republicans left over who voted in favor of January 6th. That's the line I draw now, the January 6th committee of what's left that's sane in the Republican party, get maybe those 20 or so, to join with enough Democrats to pick somebody like that as leader so we could legislate. It's just an idea, but that would be an aggressive move of sorts. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can tell me I'm crazy, Kurt, and the House would never work that way. No, I don't think you're crazy. I, I absolutely think that there is merit to Democrats talking to the few sane Republicans that are left. I mean, one of the byproducts of having this you know, excruciatingly narrow majority that McCarthy's going to have to try to wrangle and preside over um, is that the more that he gives to the crazies, to the Lauren Bovarts, to the Marjorie Taylor Greens, to the Louis Gohmarts, to the J Jim Jordans and Matt Gaetzes, uh, the more that the few that are left that are in the middle it's that have put, up there, brother. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the more that the people uh, you know who have put democracy first, uh, they they are alienated. They are pushed to to no man's land, and there's an opportunity there to say, okay, if every Democrat agrees to vote for one person and we can get just three or four Republicans to come with us, 
we can we could very much change uh, the vector of what this Congress is going to be like. I think it's certainly worth trying. McCarthy is going to come out of the the meeting today that he's having with his colleagues. Uh, you know, while he might get a majority of the Republican conference, he won't get you know the two eighteen that you need. Uh, where this will get pushed to the floor, and there's a lot can that, that can happen between now and January fourth uh, or fifth or when it happens. And so I think that we should play with them a little bit because they would not hesitate to do the same to us. Right. And. Yes. And I would say quickly, just the fact that Bacon floated, let me just say this one thing, the fact that Don Bacon, who, you know, is a a moderate conservative, I'd call him, he's not even the most moderate, but at least already floated this and said that if Kevin McCarthy couldn't get the votes, he'd talk to Democrats, tells me that they've had conversations along these lines. Yeah, Yeah. I'm sure. Uh, Hopefully they have. Publicly by design, no doubt about that. Okay, I want to get Danielle in uh, here um, because I, I think... Democrats floated Cheney, right, as a speaker, uh, which is interesting. Um, and Danielle, I I do feel that one thing Democrats need to do in, in the immediate future is to take advantage of where we are and um, stoke chaos on the right. Uh, they are they are in bad shape. Um and we need to make things worse because what we've learned, if anything, is that the Republicans can get away with so much and, and still somehow prevail. <laughs> so, you know, let's make it worse for them. Uh, Donald will do his part, but uh, let's do ours. Yeah, that's, you know, the thing is, is that that's not how Democrats are built, right? Democrats are built with reaching across (laughs) the aisle. Democrats are built with, you know, let us compromise because we care about um, the outcome of the betterment of this country, that we want to see progress happen, even if it's incremental. And so I think that the problem with that, while I would do it, right? Um, While I would say, I want them to fucking explode. I want them to explode. I want them to implode. I want to see, you know, every little bits and pieces of these people and their ideologies and their racism and everything put to the forefront um, in a way that they can't run away from, in a way that they can't hide. Like, you know, you, to me, Kurt is a perfect example. We talk about uh, on the show, you know, okay, the right came for him because he makes this joke about OnlyFans. But then people on the left also had some hot shit to say. And I'm right. saying, shut the fuck up, because you know exactly <laughs> that you have how many of these Repu- of these Republican women have you seen put themselves in bikinis holding AR-15s to like stoke the flames and the fires of these Republican men whose attention that they Warren want? Gilbert. How many times how many times yeah. have you seen them hold up Melania Trump, who had draped herself in nothing but diamonds, who came to this country on a visa that had everything to do with Einstein, which we know she probably doesn't even know how to spell, right? So like, miss me with the bullshit with in terms of like, oh, Kurt is a sexist when your entire party is based on sexism, when your entire party is about making sure that women are deferential to men so that they can hold power because that's where they find their strength. And so what annoys me in those situations is that then we have uh, uh, an, uh, an opportunity to call out their hypocrisy, but instead we want to call out Kurt. Like that's what Democrats do that pisses me off. And so, yeah, Yeah. I do think that there is an opportunity for us to for us to add more sparks to the flames and to the fire. But the reality is, is that that's not how Democrats move. But I would say this, that in terms of us beginning to figure out who is going to be in leadership and, you know, whether Nancy Pelosi, you know, will be the minority leader, blah, 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 blah. 
What I would have loved and call me naive is that when we had all of these young, fabulous people of color, progressive, take over the house, when we saw them come in, that I would have loved to see the Nancy Pelosi's of the world take these people underneath their wing and say that this is the future, name them as the future, hold them up and be like, this is who we are passing the gavel to because this is clearly who the American public is becoming and what our demographic shift is signaling. And that that these people are brilliant and powerful and thoughtful with ideas around policies that are in line with Generation Z and are in line with millennials. But that's not what they did. What they did is what they continue to do, which is that the right pushes back against these people and then you make them the problem instead of looking at Republicans as the problem, right? That's not what we do. We love to eat our young. We love to say like, oh my God, you know, you need to be kicked out of the party because you have very real pushback to very real racist and white supremacist policies. And because you're calling them out, we're not gonna align and link arms. That's the problem that I see, but I hope I hope that when they see the 18 to 30 year olds that they thought weren't going to vote came out in mass and actually voted, that those people that have grown up with the fact that they've been doing active shooting drills since they entered into mm -hmm. school, right, that they have watched the climate crisis that was impending be a part of their day to day lived existence, that they begin to look and listen to who this generation is, and they don't mm -hmm. want the same old octogenarian guards that they have seen get them to a place where they need to fight for their lives. Yeah, I, and you know, well there's said. a difference between um, the media uh, attacks, uh, really, uh, on somebody like Pelosi. Again, this extraordinary thing happened in this election, and. You know, the question is, should she retire? Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. However, on the other side of that, though, is what you're talking about. And that's one of the great things about, one, the, the fact that the election is over. Hallelujah. And two, that we did well enough to go into the next election cycle with some energy and momentum is we have an opportunity now to start doing what should always be uh, always be viable but it hasn't been considering what's been at stake. We need to be holding our party accountable and push them in a direction that one will just make, make it a stronger, more inclusive, more viable party down the road, but also make it a party that's, that's more relevant to even more Americans. And, and <clears throat> that has to happen. You know, we've been pulling punches here. Uh, because democracy, fascism, let's not criticize the, the part, the only party that still believes in democracy, right? <laughs> we can do that now. And we should do that now in a constructive, productive well, way. After Georgia. Uh, well, well yeah. yeah. Okay. But that's like two, two minutes. <laughs> yes. After Georgia, I, right now we need to focus on convincing people that now is not the time to get complacent because we have 50 Never. votes in the Senate. It's, that's bullshit. We need the 51st. And besides the fact that Warnock is an excellent man and Senator and Herschel Walker 
should I, I don't even know what well i don't know but just, on mars but mary just real quick though mm-hmm. on georgia because this is another thing this is about what democrats are always willing to cede to republicans which was the south as a whole right. the only reason why we see that georgia is in play is because of the black women apparatus that was built in georgia right by uh latasha james by uh, stacy abrams mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. all of the by black pack and all of these organizations that have been doing the hard work when the DSCC and the DCCC and the DNC decided that they weren't going to fuck with those states anymore or at yep. all. Right. Yep. Like it is yep. it is consistently black people and people of color that said, yeah, we've never had needed to rely on your help because you've never helped us. Right? right. We have always been the ones to help ourselves. So the only reason why you see a Georgia in play is because of what black women and black people in that state have been doing. If it had been left to the Democratic establishment. Right. We wouldn't even be having this conversation. A yep. Warnock wouldn't even exist. No. Nope. OK. It, it, so it, and that right. would have been because of Democrats. That's right. And, and you know, I, I think a common theme on the show is what the fuck, white people. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, and that will continue. That, that will, will continue be my new podcast to continue to be a theme. Uh, well, you know, as soon as uh, we get the money people on board and we can all have shows on a pro-democracy network. Then yes, Please. we can have a show called "What the Fuck, nice. White People." Hey, if I had Waj. won the Powerball, that would have happened. Hey, speaking of yeah, what the fuck, White People, it's Wash. Same. Hey, Wash. Wash. You owe me many spa days for being yeah. so negative going into this. Don't week. fall but for anyway. this. <sighs> um, he's going to try to get you to Canyon Ranch. Watch. He should get me to Canyon Ranch because he caused me many much stress. Much stress. Nice hallway. Wash, where are you? I'm I'm in the Cincinnati airport in a Delta lounge, not a lounge really, but pretty much in front of. It's like a hallway. So uh, northern. You didn't come by to say hi here. That's in northern Kentucky. I'm I'm right. I'm right here, man. I've taken the risk that I'm just going to go ahead and put you all on speaker and say what I have to say. (laughs) Let's just see what happens to me. Ground man should be interesting. Don't do it. You realize you are actually in Kentucky. Don't do it. I'm actually right, Kentucky. He, uh, yeah. Brian's right. It's actually a Kentucky. I always That's explain right. that to people here with yeah. our airport. It's like it's Newark. It's on Kentucky. the other side of the line. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, Waj, what, how much time do you have? Uh, I got time. We're good. Okay, so Brian, I want to go to you really quickly. You all right, you I just want to look for us. a couple of things. First of all, I think Nancy Pelosi is probably the finest Speaker of the House and Sam Rayburn and deserves to have a building named after her at some point in time for what she's been able to do. And any of those who think that she should step down for her age, I think should step back and reevaluate. Ageism is a problem, uh, and and of course, aging leadership is a problem. It's a cutting yeah. edge. It's it's a two sides of the knife. Otherwise, I think uh, looking forward, I, I don't think you have to stoke the fins, <laughs> stoke the chaos. The Republicans are nothing but chaotic. They don't govern. We're going to spend the next two years talking about Hunter Biden's laptop. And 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 threatening all kinds of investigations. I just meant the leadership stuff. I meant the leadership stuff, not what they're going to do. Their leaders are not leaders. I mean, you're talking about bikinis and AR-15s. I want to see Kevin McCarthy in a bikini toting the AR. Why? No, thank you. Stop it. I'm just saying that's how nutty they are. At the end of the day. The, the Republicans will. I'm not saying he stuff. wouldn't do it if he thought it could help him get the speakership. I'm just saying I don't want that picture in my head. Yeah, I, <laughs> nor do I. None, but nonetheless, going forward, I think 
the Republicans will do themselves and the, the Democrats will do themselves a great favor if they stay on target. It was, uh, Cliff, what you said goes back to, uh, you know, James Carville. We're right, they're wrong. And they are right on the issues. Labor won out in this election. Election deniers lost. Education, a weed won. I, I mean, that those are young people coming up through the ranks voting for the things that they find, and you will find that the younger generation is far less um, uh, racist and uh, homophobic than than uh, than other generations. That yeah. is where the Repub- That's where the Republicans will fail, and that's where the Democrats will have success going forward if they stress their issues. And again, don't let the Republicans frame the argument. Don't let the press frame the argument. The press will follow what what you frame. So you frame it. You tell us what, what it is, and we'll cover it, because we're nothing if not masters of going after clickbait and advertising. And if that's where the advertising is, that's where the reporters will be. There is no original thought. It falls on the Democrats to put their issues forward and screw the Republicans. The chaos is here, baby. Sit back, you know, have a beer and enjoy it for two years. No, I'm not sure how much we'll enjoy it, but... Um, it at least gives a, a very clear, um, a very clear point of, uh, to fight against. Right. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's like, there's no ambiguity anymore. Right. Waj. I mean, it, it, I think one of the clarifying things about this election was <clears throat> the extent to which, um, many pundits and politicians learned that, you know, uh, a lot, a lot more of the American people are paying attention uh, than they were given credit for. Well, first of all, I just want to say I, I like the whites. My favorite white is always a moderate white. Uh, what are you doing here, man? I'm a liberal like, white, though. So it's- yeah, yeah, well, no, just, you know, my favorite white's a moderate white, and I feel like they have to multiply, like, you know, feed them chicken after midnight like gremlins. And then the more moderate whites that can join the multicultural coalition, uh, that will be the best. Uh, in one of these situations, look, I feel like, it's not like I told you, Sarah. We everything that we've been saying that uh, abortion is a kitchen table issue, uh, defense of democracy is a kitchen table issue. Don't underestimate the anger and rage of women. Don't underestimate young people. Everything that we've been saying on this podcast, on our respective podcasts, on our articles, seems to have come to fruition. Which means we're not that crazy or radical or extreme. Uh, it seems that if you take away a fifty-year constitutionally protected right, people will respond. And when it comes to Democrats, uh, here's where I give a little bit of criticism, but I also give them praise, is that Democrats, if you all remember, were late to the party when it came to abortion, right? When, 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 the, when, the, uh, when they had a one-month like, window about what was going to happen, it dropped. And remember that day, they're like, well, I guess you got to send us five bucks. Let's, let's, let's just And so when it came to the base and people really saying, you know, we want fighters, Democrats waited for about two and a half weeks and they realized, oh, this is where the base is. And they went all in. Second thing, when Biden mentioned uh, we're under threat of semi-fascism, right, in a, in a donor's meeting in, in, I think it was Maryland, and it leaked, they waited for a while and they said, oh, the base is responding. And then he gave that really wonderful speech. And then CNN spent the entire week talking about how there was two Marine folks behind him. <laughs> and they how dare he? They didn't cover his speech live, right, which is a testament to the media's failure in here. What happened? Mm. It became the news. People doubled down. 
everyone talked about it right right before the election. Yeah. The third point that we talked about is, hey, Ron Johnson and Lindsey Graham are openly telling you that they're going to cut Social Security. Use yeah. their quotes. People like Social Security and Medicare. It's the two most popular government programs. And then I remember when I wrote an article about this, some Democrats were like, Republicans always, ha, ha, ha. Democrats always say this. It doesn't work. Well, I'm like, yeah, well, you got them openly telling you this. And lo, lo and behold, when Obama, you know, I think Obama down the stretch was masterful. Danielle and I have talked about this. He mentioned these points. He tied it to a story. He invoked an emotion and he drove it home. And lo and behold, people don't like losing their freedoms. They don't like losing Social Security. They don't like losing Medicare. They don't like losing abortion rights. And so the messaging, as Brian is saying, has to come from the top. Democrats, what they have to learn from here is that they have to go balls to the wall, pardon my language, be relentless for the next two years. These are kitchen table issues. Call out MAGA extremism. And the positive here, even though I think, unfortunately, we're going to lose the House, it's a strange way of saying there's a positive. The positive Is that at a spa day? I, that, I, I'm not sure yet. We might. Well, hopefully day. we don't. Okay. okay. But, but <laughs> the positive here is, and what we've seen with the news reports that just came out today, Republicans aren't moderating. Marjorie Taylor Greene apparently has got a concession out of Steve Scalise that, she's gonna, that they're going to investigate Pelosi. This reminds me more of Gingrich when there was a takeover of the 90s and they tried to impeach Clinton and like, aha, this will give us victory. But American people were like, nope. And they got wiped out. And I feel like instead of learning their lesson and doing the audit, what Republicans are not going to say, what they're openly saying is, we have to go after these unmarried women. We got to raise the voting age to 21. Look at all these Gen Z. They, they haven't learned their lesson at all. And, they ha- and MAGA has taken over the GOP to the extent where Steve Scalise, whoever gets the House leadership, if they get the House, has to listen to Marjorie Taylor Greene, right? And so this is an opening for Democrats. downfall. Yeah, that's what I, I sincerely believe. So it's going to be like two yes. years of chaos. It's going to be painful. But if you're playing chess, here's a move. It's a gambit. Yeah, here's a move for Democrats to learn from this election and realize the base response to passion. If you look at Fetterman, they respond to authenticity. And if you look at even Fetterman and Mallory McMorrow, you fight back. And also you can win over some swing voters, some of the whites, my favorite whites, who voted for Trump, if you go against, wait for it, the elites, but tell people who the elites are. Corporate price gouging, right? Shell, Exxon, billionaires. And thankfully, Musk is not really helping the billionaires. It's a really wonderful opportunity for Democrats to really lean in into what worked. Maybe listen to the nerd Avengers, who, I'm sorry, let me flex for a moment, have been on top of it for the past year. And I think they can jujitsu with this moment where the republicans will only double down on extremism and i think i think i hope take this moment take your leadership flex to the hilt get judges appointments go all out non-stop messaging from biden and as brian said with media last thing i'll say is media is like the dog from up like you yell squirrel and like squirrel 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 uh, we can't they, spell it but we'll say it yeah they can't they won't evolve they won't adapt <laughs> political journalism they just, you've seen them. You saw in this last election cycle. They can't learn, even in the face of fascism. Even as like they're threatening to kill them, they're like, can I have a scoop before you kill me? Like, Can I have yep. the exclusive? Uh, before you shoot me in the head, can I just press send and publish this? So can I use ride with you? <laughs> yes, use it. And then finally, last thing I'll say, people of color and women came out. Independence came out. White women didn't come out, but enough did. Uh, young people came out. And there is your multicultural coalition of the willing. So I hope instead of chasing... Cliff and the other whites in the Rust Belt, 
some of my favorite whites on the Rust Belt, you'll Don't get all, all these other folks and, and lean in. <laughs> that's how they can win and use this moment, even though it's going to be two years of chaos and yeah. ridiculous bullshit house investigations if they get the house. It's hey, going to be two years of chaos, but it's also going to be... It's going to be two years of chaos in the House, but it's also going to be two years in which uh, Democrats will hopefully reshape the federal judiciary and um, hopefully do something about the Supreme Court. But part of it is really uh, getting getting the Democrats to understand what not just what they stand for, but who they're appealing to. I'm sorry, white women have lost any right to be appealed to at this point. Um, it's enough that the Democrats want to make sure that white women uh, remain uh, fully realized human beings. You know, that's it. That's that's it, it. In what was it? In Georgia, Florida, they went almost overwhelmingly for the Republican governors. So I, I'm sorry, man. It's just, it's got to stop enough with the, the friggin' white diner people. Um, oh, let's, for the love yeah, of God. Oh my and God, they go seriously. To, and they go to any other Over diner? Here. Go to no. any other diner. Any I don't other think place. it's allowed. I don't think it's allowed. I think it's <laughs> compulsory that they go to that one diner where the same friggin' white people go every day. Well, you know, too, Mary, yeah. I gotta tell you, and this is the last thing I'm gonna say because I gotta roll, but Democrats need to start. They need to stop spending money in Florida, and they need to move yes. that money to <laughs> Ohio, to Wisconsin, to North Carolina. You look at places where we won the governorship in Wisconsin. Um, we should have put more money, uh, you know, over there. Um, we came very close in North Carolina, and people forget we would have won the North Carolina Senate seat last time down. Not the fact that our candidate had a spectacular scandal at the last second that just exactly. decimated him, but like. That's attainable and winnable for us, certainly more so than Florida. And in Ohio, I thought Tim Ryan ran a, a, a great, great, great campaign. You and know what? He put some resources there that would have been. He dumped $50 Absolutely. million Just, on us here. I mean, it's you know, part of, the, right, part of the problem, we're dealing with Citizen United and the fact that one person and Peter Thiel right. can just put a fortune in one race. But, you know, the other thing about those races, Kurt, and I agree with you, oh, they should have been funded better, is that the candidates did make some missteps that um, may have been costly. I think uh, Tim Ryan, he should have run a campaign. I, don't get me wrong. I think he was a great candidate, but he, he, I think he, he campaigned against the Democrats and Biden a little too much. Uh, Sherrod mm -hmm. Brown never does that. And uh, Sherrod Beasley Brown finds and, a third way to do it. Like, I just say very quickly, just being here and seeing these races, Sherrod Brown finds a third way where he can criticize trade policy, but he doesn't come out and say, I agree with Trump. On trade, right. and I right. and so I thought Ryan was a great candidate. He did make some mistakes. He also got fifty million dollars dumped on his head. So we won three yeah. key house seats here. Swing yeah. house seats, absolutely. I, I just want to say that. Go ahead, yeah. Mary. Sorry. So no. So just to Kurt's point, I I think that uh, part of part of this um, re re uh, configuration or reset after the election is is looking very hard at, at asset allocation and. Um, you know, figuring out where I think I hate saying this, but I until Democrats can figure out um, how how to deal with um, the Hispanic and Latino populations, uh, which are not a monolith, guys, bunch of different people from a bunch of different places in Florida and among and, and uh, uh, among other things. I, I don't know. Florida, Florida is uh, 
a lost cause entirely, but it's it's not necessarily to your point, Kurt. Uh, I mean, it's just like, like Florida is so expensive to play in too. It's just like That's I think exactly. about the money you sp- the money you spend in Florida, you could spend in four other states and, and, and probably get better results. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that Republicans historically do better than Democrats is they expand their map. They are not afraid to go spend money and expand the map. And, and you know, one of the real strategic decisions and people can judge whether it was good or not was we were fighting this war on so many battlefields across this country the map was expanded significantly um we need to do the same thing to 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 republicans in places like i think north carolina ohio wisconsin where we could be we are competitive there we are competitive there right now despite being outspent their 50 million dollars and the last thing that i'll say is um one of my big frustrations this election cycle, and this doesn't get talked about on TV, but it's a reality. We had the most retirements in three decades to have to overcome. That's part of the reason right. why so many people assume we were screwed because all these Democrats had packed up their bag and gone home because they didn't want to fight the fight. I bet a lot of them woke up the day after election going, oh, shit, I probably could have won. Okay. Those people that retired, that's $30 million dollars that we would not have had to spend defending their seats. That's Some of those seats. That said that, Kurt. You're absolutely yeah. right. I know it's like if, if they don't take their ball and go home, we have the majority right now. Yep. And, and, and it just goes to show that never, never give in to fear. Don't give in to the DC Beltway punditry bullshit. Believe enough in yourself and your district that you can pull it out and the fight's worth fighting. Like I'm, I'm personally, the biggest grievance I have, it isn't with the DCCC. It isn't with some of the judges and redistricting. It's with the people that took their ball and went home and didn't fight the fight. Because if they had, we'd, we'd have won this thing outright. Absolutely. Well, and also I, I and the fact that uh, the, the despicable Andrew Cuomo uh, left us a tripwire. Oh, yeah. In the New York. Oh. Uh, mm-hmm. Everyone should Judiciary. be educated about that. Fact. But, yeah, that, definitely. Face. But uh, yeah, Kurt, that's a, that's a great point. And uh, sort of related to that, another good thing about having the House be so close, whether we win or lose, is that, you know, uh, people retire, people die in office, people get wh- whatever the case may be. So a slim margin can shift. People get COVID. By, people get COVID just by natural attrition, right? So Generally, if they don't get vaxxed more often. Yeah, and yeah. I think Which that would party be mostly, does that again. Uh, I think it starts with an R. Actually, if you guys know who Charles Gaba is, he did a very mm-hmm. interesting analysis, state by state area. It's Gaba. I happen to know him from Michigan, but yeah, yeah, oh, Cliff, I know him personally, Gaba. but I, I guess I don't know how to pronounce his name. Um, and he, you know, I've talked to him about it, and I mean, and no doubt, like you look at a place like Michigan where we pick, we won the state legislature, yeah. especially on the legis- state legislative seat level, we picked up five chambers. Yeah. That hadn't been done in the off in the off year for a president's party since FDR in '34. So think about that. They they may have quite literally killed themselves with COVID. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Good point. I got to go, guys. All right. Thank you, Kurt. Uh, let's easy. get those uh, meetings set up with the money people, please. Um, I'm not kidding. Like independent media, we need to be growing our independent media so we're not reliant on. Uh, lazy reporting that just camps out in in midwestern diners. It's 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 time. It is time uh, for us to take uh, advantage of this moment. Also, I want to give a shout out to Christopher Buzzi who did a phenomenal job uh, just setting 
laying things out, uh, he really nailed it. And I think his projections were like 99% accurate uh, and, and just did us all a really good service pushing back against the uh, conventional wisdom. Um, all right, we're going to wrap up soon. Um, but Jen, I wanted to give you a chance to talk about uh, some news that you have. Well, you know, I'm not really telling anyone that news yet, Mary. But okay, I so guess... we'll, we'll just, we'll keep it quiet. Okay, um, so I'm really excited. <laughs> On my birthday, December 4th, we're launching a podcast called Booked Up with Jen Taub. And I know that Waj is going to actually murder me, he said, if I don't have him on as a guest. It oh focuses <laughs> on intimate. He said that in the chat. Wait, is it, a... is it is it a real crime podcast? Or no, it's not. What? It's not a real crime podcast. I, I said not, I will I, put a dagger in my heart. I, oh, I self-immolate oh, okay. my own oh, heart. Oh, okay. Sorry. Murder himself. That's it's, different. So I'm. Um, it's all about nonfiction authors. And I see several. I, I see some authors I think you know right a here. Couple. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're starting. My first interview is with Dahlia Lithwick. And I want everyone to listen Wait, to who? the trailer. Dahlia Lithwick. <laughs> Just make sure she's not on Amtrak. An up you know what? It's like, it's like trains, <laughs> planes, and automobiles around here. Uh, Dahlia uh, will be, you know, hopefully she, I won't be interviewing her from an Amtrak. But no, she is going to talk about her new book, uh, Lady Justice, bestseller. Um, and then I've got some other folks, all top secret. Um, it's super exciting, though, because I have this way of... Um, it sounds like a boast. It's not a boast or even a humble brag, but it's weird. Like when I talk with people, they tell me stuff they didn't mean to tell me. And we're going to, I mean, but still come on the show, you guys. Um, <laughs> and uh, no, I mean, I really want it to be about everything that motivates them to write things about their personal history. I'm scouring the books. I'm actually reading the books, reading the acknowledgments <clears throat> and thinking about questions. And I promise never, ever to ask any of our favorite authors the stupidest question you ever get asked, which is, why did you write this book? <laughs> like, <laughs> fuck you. You can't no. think of, sorry, I, I shouldn't say that. When someone, you know, you have to prepare an answer for that. I will not be asking any of those kinds of open-ended questions. I mean, right? I'm going to ask ones that make you. I always say because and, I got paid. <laughs> yeah, it's not a good question. Um, but you're, you're because also, the advance terrified me. Advanced. In addition go. to, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm dealing with that right now. As a matter of fact, um, so uh, first Waj, off, I mean, you... is this a good time to book you right now? What do you can you? Get I was going to say, Jen, if if you want to keep the, this quiet, then maybe like don't ask people on Twitter. I don't know, but well, but Mary, I feel like you didn't say yes on Twitter, and well, I feel like I'm hanging to keep out it there. Quiet, yeah, but I, I, now everyone I, thinks you won't do it. Well, I, I just I have to think about it. I, I was I so might hurt be because I thought Jen invited me a month ago, and I had said yes. And now she's like, hey, do you want to come? So it feels like it's like one of those situations where you get invited by pity. And like, you know, you're like, like, Jen wanted to invite Watch. Danielle and I was there. And she goes, oh, and you can come too. Yeah. Watch. You're uh, on the spreadsheet. It's just that I have so many people booked. And, you know, I'm booking out to like 2025, baby. You're no, on kidding. the spreadsheet. So there, I mean, there's hey, that. You made the spreadsheet. We just don't know which decade. Ryan, you're not quite on the spreadsheet yet, but you're on there the shelf. Go. See, but so um, that's, that's right. You're on the show. How many uh, pages are, the, are on the spreadsheet? That's the question. So. <laughs> or more importantly, uh, Jen, uh, yes. there's also you're all in in the context of the podcast. You're also going to have what uh, a book club. Can you talk a little bit about that? Too? Oh yes. Yeah. So there's this. You know, booked up is three Sundays of the month. You'll be listening into my intimate conversations with your and my favorite authors. But the last Sunday of the month is the booked up book club. 
And I don't know if I'm allowed to say who the members are. I, but who I is care. not allowing you to do things? Me, because, you know, I have this sort of like, I shouldn't be talking about this, but I guess we've already watched it. All publicity, yeah. Anyhow, so let me, let me, let me tell you. So Molly Jong-Fast. <laughs> Shut up, Mary. Molly Jong-Fast. E. Jean Carroll. That's good, oh, right? Wow. Lisa Birnbach. Wow. I've heard of some of these people. You've heard that of some of these people. Trifecta. Ivan Lett, who's a poet and publicist. He's amazing at basic books. And guess who else? We have to have some balance here. You always need a never trumper. George Conway. Hmm. Uh, interesting. Do, do you always need a never? I mean, I don't you know. You don't. I mean, I just like I George. Did you make any rules about whether Kellyanne can be in the room or not? Or no? Woof. Oh, Jesus. Wait, what? Our first okay. book, you our first book is not her on, book. Shall we? Don't worry. That'd be really funny if I sprung that on him. <laughs> but no, it won't be her book. Anyway. Cool. This is a tough crowd. Cliff, I hope you, I hope you, um, have you written a book, Cliff, yet? Yeah. <laughs> it, it's not only yet, it's the opposite direction. I wrote one in 2008 on John McCain. So I need to send you that. Well, and, send me that, uh, but that's not our book club book. I'm sorry, Cliff. I was going to say, first... you know, I don't know if, I don't know if it, I'm current enough for you. Well, so I don't know. guess what, Cliff? Our first book is, it, it just dropped today, Michelle Obama's, have you heard this new book? The Light We Carry is going oh. to be our first book. So buy it now or, you know, get it from your library because you can, all of you, Waj, Mary, Brian, Danielle, and you, Cliff, can send me your questions about the book or for the, you can even send questions for George Conway if you feel like it. Um, to my email address, which is, do you know what my email address is? Booked up at politicon.com. And I even have a P.O. box if you like to write the old fashioned way. <laughs> wow. P.O. box 147, wow. Northampton, Massachusetts. Old school. I old love school. Can, I, can I just tell people that we're, we're, many of us are so bad at self-promotion that uh, uh, Mary's mighty, uh, mighty producer, Simon, in the chat is pretty much just telling Jen. Talk about it. Talk about the book. Talk about the book. Can you tell Seriously. Them about the first book? It's yeah. okay. It's Jen, called Booked Up with Jen Tobbs. Simon, stop. She spent I'm half the time it, saying, I don't know if I should talk about this or not. <laughs> yes, you should. Jen should yes, be like should. a South Asian. I'm sorry for starting a book club. I apologize for talking about it. Forgive me for existing. Please read the book and listen to the podcast if you have time, maybe. Okay, thank you. You're less than I a mean, month out. You need to start promoting your book. I will start promoting, but you guys, I should have been a doctor, Waj. You know, as as we uh, wrap up, what I'm going to say is- Waj knows my mom. Listening to Gentab's new podcast, Booked Up, is compulsory, right? If if you love the Nerd Avengers, uh, you have to listen to this podcast jen and i have spoken about, Talk about your life uh, what it's going to be like and and uh i i i'm a total book nerd in addition to other kinds of nerds so i'm i'm ecstatic about it you guys are going to love it it's it's going to be fascinating um and that's debuting on uh december 4th which also happens to be jen's birthday so you know and i really want to speaking of my birthday uh, someone in the comments, you guys, I love the listeners here, thinks I'm part of that generation who turned out to vote. <laughs> so I'm just going to say I'm not. I'm actually Gen X. But Mary, you forgot to promote something really important that Waj well, and I want you to talk about right now. I actually didn't forget. I just was just wanted to finish promoting you. And now I will promote uh, our very first live in person on stage. Uh, Nerd Avengers, uh, that's going to be out in L.A. at Dynasty Ty Typewriter. Um, my 
my nerds joining me uh, will be Waj and Jen, and we will also have a, sorry, I lost my breath still. Uh, we will have a, a special local guest as well. And, you know, our hope is that this is going to be the first of many. That's Monday, January 19th at 7.30 p.m. I believe, uh, yeah, tickets No, it's not. Sale. It's not January. This time you said. <laughs> that was it's December. That last time. Oh, my God. December, 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 December. December, December, December. I can't believe 19th. I just did that. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So uh, the, on- ticket, the ticket link is in the show notes. I'm going to do Simon's job on air. The ticket link, friends, that are listening is in the show notes. For the December show, not January. Uh, Raj, we'll get your plane. Go, go, go. All right. Bye, Raj. Thank you. Take it easy. All right. Unbelievably, I'm still kind of sick, and my brain cells are – my brain cells need to go to Canyon Ranch, even if the rest of me doesn't. This is like nerds in disarray, you guys. We've got to pull together. It is. All right. So we're together. We are going to – it keeps the show so much fun. It does. But uh, we're going to end it there. (laughs) (laughs) before people lose patience with us. So I want to thank Dahlia Lithwick just for joining us on the train for a minute or two. Kurt Bradella, Waj Ali, Danielle Moody, uh, Brian Carob, Cliff Schechter, Jen Taub, uh, my Nerd Avengers, thank you so much for being here and I will see you all next week and happy birthday again, Daniel. Thank you to my Nerd Avengers, and thank you all for joining us today. Sorry if we went a little bit off the rails. I think, you know, part of it is we're still exhausted uh, from the midterms, and we're a little bit giddy because, uh, once again, the Democrats snatched democracy from the jaws of autocracy, and uh, that's that's heady stuff. So um, it's been a good week, uh, and we are just going to keep building on that momentum so uh thank you for your comments and uh thank you for uh, making jen feel good uh anyway we will be back uh thursday for our regular interview show that's this thursday at 7 p.m eastern 4 p.m pacific my guest this week is ellie velshi that is going to be fascinating so looking forward to speaking with ellie at length um you know, I, I love being on his show and uh, to have a chance to to get him to myself for 45 minutes is is a uh, is is awesome. So uh, I'm sure you will all enjoy that. And of course, we'll be back here next Tuesday uh, for our no complacency, no compromise Nerd Avengers show. That's 12 p.m. Eastern. 9 a.m. Pacific. Both of those are at youtube.com slash Politicon. And while you're on Politicon's YouTube page, please subscribe to Politicon. We really want to get those subscription numbers up. Uh, It doesn't cost anything. Like the episode, leave a comment there. Uh, And you can also click on the bell, which will um, mean that you will be alerted. That one right there. You will be alerted every time a new episode uh, drops. I know I've been threatening this for a while, but I'm going to start doing short videos again. Uh, We've got a whole bunch of stuff up our sleeves. Uh, In addition to the live show uh, shows, Uh, again, the first one is Monday, December, December 19th, 2022, uh, with me, Waj, and Jen, and special local guest, uh, Dynasty Typewriter. The link is in the show notes. Uh, it's going to be a blast. Really, really looking forward to that. 
And <clears throat> as for this show, you, in addition to watching it on uh, the Politicon YouTube channel, you can also listen to it in podcast form on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you leave us a five-star review, one, I'll be extremely grateful to you. And two, it just does help other people find the show by, you know, boosting us up the, up the list. And that is it. Uh, thank you again so much for being here. Thank you to my nerds. And uh, we will see you on Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, please stay safe and be kind. <laughs>